Good morning, church. Great to see everyone here. We've got some visitors. We are especially thankful that you're with us today. Thank you so much for being a part of our service. Before I get into the sermon, I want to uh, give you just a little update on Clint Fox. The surgery that he's had has gone well. His, I think well or better can be expected. Uh, he has a bit of a recovery to go through, but we want to especially keep him lifted up in prayers. Thank God for the surgery, the success of that. So if you would, please bow with me as we uh, lift him up this morning in a special way. Father, we thank you so very, very much for Clint and the service and love that he's given to you and the kingdom and the church here at Mission Viejo for so many, many years. And, and in spite of all of the challenges with the cancer that he's been dealing with over the last several weeks and months, Father, he's come to this point where surgery has been conducted and completed and now he's in a point of recovery. So, Father, we ask your blessings upon him. We ask you to give him strength and courage to see through each of the days that are ahead of him. It'll be a little bit of a long road, but he is a strong man. He is a strong man of faith. And, God, we just ask you to be with him and to give him even more strength. May we be an encouragement to him. May we love on him, show him what church is all about. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to bless him and to heal him completely. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, amen. amen. So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about spiritual gifts, and we're going to finish, not necessarily finish, but we're going to continue with the conversation this morning. Um, most especially, we're going to be looking at the purpose of the gifts and how they fit in the body of Christ, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to kind of examine yourselves and to perhaps see what kind of gift that you may have personally, and then from there, we're going to do a couple of fun things. I want to just give you an overview of where we're going in the next several weeks together as a church. We're going to spend some time this morning with the gifts. We're going to give, as I mentioned, give you a chance to identify. I've got a little survey we're going to share with all of you in a few minutes. Some of you have seen this before. Some of you have never seen this before. We're going to give you a few minutes to work with that this morning while we're together. And then once we have that information, we're going to pull all the information that we've got together and really look at our church as a whole and begin to try to see where the greatest gifts are, those that kind of are the most obvious and those that are the most, uh, uh, have the greatest potential for numbers of different kinds of ministries in our church. And when we've identified that, then we'll come together and we will begin to specifically identify different areas of service that we can do not only within the body of Christ, but within the community around Mission Viejo and Ladera Ranch and Lake Forest and all of the communities that are surrounding us and identify ways in which we can use the gifts that God has given to us in a significant way so that we can reach into the community. And as a part of the conversation of reaching into the community, we'll be talking about discipleship over the next several weeks and how all of that kind of fits together and kind of goes like a hand in a glove so that we can be well-equipped as people of God's kingdom not only to serve one another in the church and do that effectively and, and with passion and with zeal, but also to take the message of Jesus into the world around us. Now, the world around us isn't necessarily in Africa, though we do help people in Africa on occasion. It isn't necessarily the world of the people who are in Mexico, though we help them on occasion. The world that we live in truly is the world in which you are around every single day. Long, long time ago, Way before I ever went into preaching and stuff, I used to do some remodeling of houses. I had a little construction company back in Montgomery, Alabama. And one of the guys that used to work with me, his name was Charlie. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. He was probably in his mid-40s when he worked for me. He did just general odd jobs, labor stuff with me. But I asked Charlie one day, I said, Charlie, where do you live? And here was Charlie's response to me. He said, Ed, he said, I live everywhere that I go. 
Now, if you're asking me where my house is that I stay and I stay and he gave me the address, he said, but I want you to know I truly live everywhere that I go. And that stuck with me. After these 30 some odd years, that expression that he shared with me has stuck with me and I choose to live everywhere that I go. Amen? And so we want to help all of us in the church realize that we can live for Christ everywhere that we go. There's a conversation that has been going on in the churches for the last 15 or 20 years about what is worship, what truly is worship. And there's lots of different conversation and discussion about it. And, and some umpteen generations ago, we came up with this thing called five acts of worship. And, and good luck with proving that biblically, because I'm just telling you, there's not a verse of scripture in the Bible that says these are the five acts of worship that you're supposed to do on Sunday morning. It just isn't there. We've taken what we seem and deem to be reasonable that Christians did when they came together, and we do those things, and that's the reason that we sing and pray and share in the Lord's Supper and the stuff that we do on Sunday. But I want you to realize that worship can be so much more than just what you do in this building. When you consider what Paul wrote in Romans, the, the, what we call the 12th chapter of Romans, he, he spent some time talking about how that our lives are an act of service to God, and that's our spiritual act of worship. Well, when are you not alive? Uh, when you're dead. Thank you very much. The only time that you are not alive is when you are dead. I work in that industry. For those of you who didn't know, I work in the funeral business. That's the company that I work for. That's what we do. We, we work with people planning funerals. And I know a little bit about planning that stuff, and I've been to a few funerals, more than any of you probably combined. All of you combined. I've been to more funerals than all of you have been to. And I can tell you the only time you're not alive is when you're dead. Now, what that means is simply this. All of us then, while we are alive, have an opportunity to share the message of Jesus. And the real question is, how will you do that? And it isn't through evangelism all the time, in case you didn't know that. It's not being an evangelist. It isn't always being the teacher. It isn't always being the preacher. It isn't always being the prophet. Sometimes it's being the encourager. Sometimes it's being the person who has the ability and the capacity to be merciful to someone. Sometimes it's having the ability to be gracious with someone. Sometimes it's the ability to just stand on a rock and to be faithful and to stand on the faith that you know is the faith of all faiths and you stand on that rock and your faith is your testimony and your witness to who Jesus is in your life. And that in itself is how you spread the news. When Lynn and I lived in Atlanta years ago, I had a boat up at Lake Lanier. We had a boat there. We have a boat here. It's just what we do. So we have a boat at Lake Lanier. It's a houseboat. And I'm on the boat one night. It's about 11.30 or 12 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden, I hear this on the side of my boat. Generally, people don't knock on your boat at 11.30, 12 at night. But this night, this young man was. And so I went to the door, and I opened it up, and I said, hey, what's up? And he said, I need to talk to you. And he came in, and, and I'd probably had maybe three conversations with this young man in the whole two or three years that I had known him. But he came in and he said, you're a preacher, right? And I'm like, yes, I am. He said, I need to talk to you. And he started talking to me, and he started opening up about some things going on in his life, and he was having some real, real issues. And we chatted for almost an hour that night. I never told the man I was a preacher. I didn't wear a badge right here like some people wear a badge that says, I'm, I am. I didn't have a badge. But I was there. And we talked, and I listened, 
And I didn't say much, but I just listened. And listening sometimes is the greatest gift. See, there are all kinds of ways that you and I can serve in our communities. But if we understand a little bit more clearly about the gift that God has given us and that blessing, that, that special blessing that he's given each of us individually, and they'll all be a little bit different, but we all have that special gift, that special blessing that will allow us to reach into the heart, into the mind, and the soul of people who are around us and help them. Lynn and I are riding into the church this morning and she's reading the bulletin from the South County Church. Brenda Anderson sends it to us and there are three or four people who are mentioned in that bulletin who have been severely impacted because of the shooting in Las Vegas last week. One of them passed. One of them got shot in the back of the head and is still trying to learn how to walk again and talk again and there will be reconstructive surgeries. One of the folks that were mentioned were just a family who were there who are dealing with the trauma of having experienced and witnessed 500 plus people get shot and another 50 something die. Can't even begin to imagine. But being there is a gift. Just being there. When someone is in a state of trauma and need, and sometimes you don't have to say anything you just have to be there. We all have different gifts. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, verse 10 to 11, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. To serve others. You see, your gift is not for you. It isn't for you. Even if you have the gift of, of, of speaking in tongues, and, and when I use that expression, I'm thinking specifically of that gift where uh, Paul writes that you can go into the closet and have this prayer language as I lovingly like to refer to it, even if you can go do that and you can pray in a way that nobody really under would understand the words you're saying except you and God and the Spirit, even if you were to have that gift, it's all about serving others. And how we use the gifts that we have been given to serve others is what this conversation is all about. Because that truly is what we are to be about. And that truly is what God's special gifts to us really were intended to do, is to serve other people. Jesus said these words, if I remember correctly, I came to serve, not to what? Be served. So I'll be so bold as to ask you this question, why did you come here this morning? Now granted, the challenge with a worship assembly like we have is that we have a song leader and we have someone who says a prayer and we have another person who leads us in the communion. We have another person who's going to share a message. When we finish up, we may have another person who leads us in a closing prayer. And how much serving are you able to do during that 50 or 60 or 70 minutes block of time? Perhaps your singing encouraged those around you. Sharing in the communion Sharing in the communion is the way that we all share with one another and encourage one another because we proclaim again the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who shed his blood for our sins. But when this service is concluded, what will you do with your time today? How quickly will it take you to leave the building and get in your car and go to lunch? Or how much time are you willing to commit to someone who's here Maybe you know them well, maybe you don't know them at all, but how much time are you willing to commit to them, to be there for them, to listen to them, to share in their life with them? 
Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, in all things, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. In all things. Don't you love it when they use language like that in the Bible? So where's your out? Where's your out? When can you not do something that should bring praise and honor and glory to God? When does that occur? There isn't a time. And, and that's the, 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 the shick, that's the rub, that's the challenge for us. There's never a time when we're off the hook and doing something that would bring honor, glory, and praise to God. There's never a time. I encourage you to go back and study again Romans 12, the first few verses, and look at what this living sacrifice thing is all about. This holy and living sacrifice. When are you not alive? Again, I would offer to you and submit for your consideration. The only time you're not is when you're dead. And none of us in this room are dead. We may be wishing Jesus would come sooner and end us all, end, end, end this thing for us because it's challenging and troubling at times, but the reality is we are still here, we are still alive, and we should be bringing honor and glory and praise to God. Each member, Romans 12, each member belongs to the others. Interesting, isn't it? Each of us belong to one another. Your world in Christ is not just your world. Your world in Christ is my world in Christ as well because we belong to one another and you and I don't have the luxury to just do whatever we want to do. We have a responsibility to one another in this church to make sure that we're doing the right thing for one another. It's not just about what you like. It's about what's the best for this body. Go back and reflect with me just a moment about our conversation last week about the physical body of Christ and, and your physical body itself. When you and I come together, when we go to sit down to eat dinner or to eat lunch today, you don't just eat something because there's some part of you, your body, that wants to eat that. You eat to sustain the whole body. When you, if you, telling myself here, but if, when and if you would ever exercise... Do you do that just for your feet or your hands? When you listen to music, are you doing it just so that your ears have something to do this afternoon? No. Silly, isn't it? All the things that we do is because we belong to one another. We have different gifts according to the grace each has been given. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And all of that to be done in such a way that we're serving one another and we're serving the body of Christ because we didn't come to be served, but to serve. Jesus said he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Can you give your life away in service to others? So there's some specific gifts. Sorry about the red letters. It's kind of hard to read on the font. 
but the, there are gifts in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, message of wisdom, faith, gifts of healing, message of knowledge, prophecy, distinguishing between gifts. Those are gifts that you and I may still very much have. And I put the gifts of healing in there, not because I have the uh, a miraculous gift of healing. It was so funny at lunch last week. Doug, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you out here, but Doug Mead and Nancy are sitting right here. And I had lunch with them, Debbie and, and uh, Mark Oldham, and Lynn and I had lunch with them last week because they want to place membership with us. Welcome to the family. They're new members of our church. Well, Doug had a little challenge with his ear a few years ago, and he can't hear out of his left ear, if I remember correctly. And I, we were talking about the spiritual gifts at dinner. I said, if I had the gift of healing, miraculously, I'd just touch your ear right here, Doug, next Sunday morning in church, and you could hear. I don't have that gift. Does anyone have that gift? If God needed you to have it, you could have it. Can I say that? God had some really amazing, miraculous, spiritual things going on in the first century. I mean, they were literally raising people from the dead. Okay? Figure that out. They were raising people from the dead. I had an experience a long time ago. I mean, a long time ago. I was visiting in the church, and it was a revival service. A good friend of mine went to this church. He invited me to come. I went to the church. And they had a preacher that, was, that, that had a very, very special anointing from God. He could pray over you, and you'd have gold teeth. I'm still gold teeth. I don't have them yet. And he prayed over me specifically. He called me out in the service and said, Come up here, brother. I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to have gold teeth. I never got them. Doesn't mean I didn't have faith. Just means he really didn't have the ability to get me gold teeth. I don't have the gift of healing today. Could God ever give it to me? If he needed me to have it, he would give it to me. That makes sense? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he had those special gifts for a very special period of time. And there was a reason that those men, and even some of those women, I believe, had the gifts to do those kind of things. It's because God needed them to do that. Speaking in different kinds of tongues and languages. Interpreting those things. I shared with you last week. I wish I had the ability. How I wish I had the ability to drive to Mexico and speak Spanish just like that. Or to go to the Ukraine and speak Ukrainian, whatever language it is. I don't even know the language. I mean, Russian, I think, is a part of it, but I don't know what they speak. I have a friend who is from one of those countries and speaks a language, and I don't know what she's talking about. But I wish I could speak those languages just like that. I don't have that ability. Maybe you do. I don't. Will it ever happen again? If God needs it to. But the gifts that I know that I have and the gifts that you know you have, we can use those things in the church today to do some amazing things. In Romans 12, Paul enumerates a number of gifts here, prophesying. And, and by the way, prophesying is not fortune-telling. Okay? If you go back and study the Old Testament prophets and look at most of those guys, you know what they were? They were proclaimers of the Word of God. Okay? They weren't all fortune tellers. They weren't all telling stuff that was going to happen in the future. Now, were there some that did that? Uh, yeah. Read Isaiah. He said a few things that were later reflective of what Jesus was going to do, and Jesus was a fulfillment of that. I get all that. But a lot of those guys that were prophets in the Old Testament, they were proclaiming the Word of God. God put a special message on their lips, and they preached the message of the Word. Serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. All of those are things that Paul enumerates over in Romans 12. Those are powerful gifts. Many of us in this room have one or more of those gifts. Which one do you have? That's our question. 
So those of you men who were handing out the communion trays and stuff, if you would be so kind as to go to the back, we're actually going to give you this survey this morning. It's called a spiritual gifts inventory. Some of you may have done something like this before. Some of you never have. But if you men would go ahead and pass those out. Thank you.